Would you like a new brain? There, there are many days, many times when I wish I had a new brain, okay? And uh, I, I, if I had a, a new brain, you know, I, like I dream about inventing something. You know, nobody ever was, else was ever able to do, but something that really benefited. You know, if I had a new brain, maybe I could fix things, you know, a lot better, you know? Thankful for YouTube, because it can uh, at least fix a few more things. Uh, if I had a new brain, you know, maybe I could, you know, make a lot of money because I know how to invest or something like that. Uh, how many of you wish you, you had a new brain? Uh, how many of you wish someone in your family had? A, <laughs> uh, the person sitting beside you. Uh, oh, well, well, we'll not go there, okay? Uh, nine years ago, uh, our son Josh was in Africa and just... One afternoon as he was uh, in, a, in an orphanage, all of a sudden he had this terrible brain pain. And uh, it just affected his whole body, every joint, every, every part of his body. And, then, and for the next nine years, this brain fog, he, he couldn't think properly. He, he, he couldn't concentrate. He couldn't focus. Uh, praise God. Uh, God is touching and healing him. Brain fog. Now, there are many things that cause brain fog. Uh, Lyme disease, in his case, or meningitis, or tumors, or just simply being human can cause a lot of brain fog. In fact, did you know that being a Christian can do that? Uh, even uh, kind of a special kind of Chris, uh, Christian, we would say. Even, even the disciples of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, I, I, I find a disturbing story. This is about uh, six months before Jesus knows he's going to die on a cross. And it says in verse 21 that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. From who? from the people you would think shouldn't be doing that, from the elders, from the chief priests, from the scribes, that he was going to be killed, but on the third day he was going to be raised. Well, how did the disciples accept this news? Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said this, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. What, what made Jesus so upset? Why, what was so bad about what Peter said that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan? Well, Jesus tells us. We know exactly why he was upset. His, the, the, he answers, he says, Peter, you are not setting your mind on the things of God. You're setting your mind on the things of man. Peter was thinking like the world, okay? He was thinking like Satan, too. And, and the question I want to pose to all of us here today, self-included, do you think like the world? Do you think like Satan? Well, I want you to think about this, that every one of us here today have thought or said exactly what Peter did. Now, we have phrased it in a different way. We've thought, God, 
you shouldn't let bad things happen to good people. Every one of us have thought that. But Jesus wasn't thinking that. Every one of us have thought that. And see, most of us are Christians here today. Some, some of us are not. Some, and we're so glad you're here because I hope you're really looking at the claims of Christ and really questioning and really wondering and really want to be in touch with God and be all that God created you to be. But most of us here today were Christians. And I think when we're Christians, we come to believe that we think like God. But friend, being a Christian doesn't make you think like God. Isaiah 55 says this. God is talking. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, Peter thought it was wrong for Jesus to suffer and die. And we do too, all right? But Jesus didn't think that. Because Jesus knew this was God's plan. Jesus knew that if he didn't suffer and die, that you and I would have no forgiveness for our sins. That you and I would have no way to get to heaven. And so Jesus is telling Peter, and he's telling us today, Peter, you need a new mind. And God says we all do. Philippians chapter 2 says... Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation. The, the Son of God, exalted by the heavens, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a slave instead of the Son of God. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God wants to give all of us a new mind. Now, we're in a study here. We're in a series from Romans chapter 12. And last week, we looked at the fact that God wants to give us a new body. And we were all up for that, okay? A new body that is filled with the Holy Spirit. A new body that's a living sacrifice to the one who gave his life as a sacrifice for us. Well, we're going to move to verse 2 today. And we find out that God wants to give us a new mind. A new mind. The mind of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, tells us how God does that in our life. And he tells us what we need to do to respond to God's work. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here we are. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, then you're going to be able to test and approve and discover what God's will is for your life and experience that, his good will, his pleasing will, his perfect will. God wants to give us a mind that thinks his thoughts rather than the thoughts of the world around us. One of our uh, core values here, and uh, we always, well, we don't always, but a lot of times they're in the bulletin. They're in the bulletin this morning. We, we talk about our core values. And, and one of those is that growth equals change. And see, one of the reasons why we want to always remember that is because most of us don't like change. All right? We all want progress. <laughs> okay? But, 
very few of us want change. We want progress, but very few of us want to change ourselves that would bring that process. But growth equals change. We, you can't grow if you're not willing to and willing to change. If we won't change, we won't grow. And, and last week I talked about that, uh, that brilliant philosopher, uh, Zig Ziglar, who said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you keep getting what you got. Right? If, if we're plagued with a problem and we wish we didn't have that problem anymore, but we're not willing to do anything about it, if we're not willing to change, we're just going to persist in that. So what does God say? We need to do ourselves in Romans chapter 12 to let him transform our mind, to renew it, to give us a new mind that's in sync with God and why he created us and what he wants to do in us. How do we get this new mind? And, and Paul here tells us three things in this verse. And the first one is this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Have you ever thought about how much uh, we do let that happen? Okay. And let me just start with an example that, to, you know, it's really not very significant, it's really not major, really not much of a problem. But what you're wearing today, do you know, is very different from what you wore 20 years ago. I don't mean it's bigger, okay? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a different style, right? I, I mean, I remember when I was, you know, in the, in the late 60s that, uh, that, Suddenly, the world told me I was square because, you know, my, my pant legs were straight. You know, and if I wanted to be cool, I needed to flare them out. I needed to have bell bottoms. How many of you remember bell bottoms, okay? And see, if you didn't change, like, you just weren't cool, all right? And, and then, you know, about 20 years ago, it's like, you know, hey, the style is changing. Your plants, pants, you know, they should be pleated, you know, and then you should have a cuff on anymore. No more bell bottoms. So you should have a cuff on them, you know. And so, you know, if you didn't change that, and then, you know, two years ago, three years ago, it's like, no, uh, uh, get rid of those, those uh, what do I call them again? Pleats, yes, thank you. I lost that big word, all right. Lose the pleats, lose the cuffs, okay? Do you see that, you know, we're just constantly told by the world that if, that if we want to be with it, if we want to be cool, that we need to change the style. Now, again, you know, clothing, that's, that's not something, a moral issue, okay? That's not something that really matters, that's really a big deal. What is a big deal? Doing the will of God. Doing what God who created us wants it to do. And see, this is important because you live in a world that pressures you to think like people who don't do the will of God. And they don't want you to either. You, you live in a world that, that, where you're pressured to adopt moral values that actually defy God and, and his word and his will for mankind. Don't let the world squeeze you into that mold. Don't copy the, be the behaviors and customs of the world that are, that are contrary to God and his, his plan for our life. And why does God tell us that? 
Because if we do, we're going to suffer the consequences of defying the God who created us. No, no, don't do that. Don't get the mind of the world. Let God transform your mind. Let God change you into a person by changing the way you think. And now let's talk about that because that's really, really important. Changing the way we think. It's, it's kind of easy to change the way we do something, but the way we think, now that's a bigger challenge. But that's what God tells us. Let God transform your mind, renew your mind, give you a new mind. And you see, this is really important. Because the way we think determines the way we feel. And the way we feel then determines the way we act. Okay, so if you try to change here what you're doing, the way you're acting, if you still think the same way, th that's not going to last. Uh, just, just imagine that uh, you have a, uh, a speedboat. You know, one of those really big ones, you know, with eight uh, engines on the back. And I mean, this is a speedboat, all right? And let's just imagine you're driving that, and it's on automatic pilot, and you're headed east, but you need to turn around and go west. Now, what, do you, what can you do? Now, you can grab the steering wheel and you can turn the boat around by force, okay? But it won't be very long before you're going to get exhausted by doing that and you're just going to have to let go of the wheel. And friend, that's why we let go of our diet. We get tired and exhausted. That's why we stop exercising, even though we started out really good. You know, we're going to do that. I'm going to do this every day. That's why we stop. That's, the, that's, why, we, uh, that's why we start s smoking again or, or, or drinking or drugging or whatever. You know, really, we said, I, oh, I've got to stop that. that. That's why we slip back into, into being selfish when we've told ourselves, I'm not going to be that way anymore. Forcing yourself by... Your, your willpower is only going to work for a little while. And we, we need changes that last. And we need to reset the autopilot of our mind. We need a mental U-turn about God. We need to stop thinking that God is out to get us. There's so many people, they don't want to get close to God because they think God just want to, wants to punish them. We need to stop thinking God's out to get us for, because we're sinning and realize that God wants to set us free from sin because it harms us, it destroys us. God loves you. He, he loved you enough to send his own son to die in your place. He's not out to get you. He's out to love you, to live in you, to fill you, to give you joy and meaning and purpose in your life. We need a mental U-turn about God. Because it's different than our normal thoughts. We need a mental U-turn about others. You know, I've, I've found this to be almost universally true that most of us think that it's, that it's someone else who makes us angry. Do you know, other people don't make you angry. They bring out the anger that's inside of you. And we need a mental U-turn about others do you know that god doesn't take away what i call sandpaper people out of your life you want sand people 
sandpaper people are, they rub you the wrong way. And you know why God doesn't remove them or change them? Because he wants to use them to rub off the rub etches in your life so that you become more loving like Jesus, more patient, all the things that God wants to do in our life. And you see, we want God to change them. We want God to change our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, the other drivers. God wants to change us. We want God to change our circumstances. God wants to change us. And how does he change us? By giving us a new mind. The irritations are going to remain. The new mind that thinks his thoughts and does his will. We want God to take away our problems and our pain and our sorrow and our suffering and our sickness. But God wants to work on us first. Because you know what? See, if our mind is not changed about those problems, your problems will just come back with every new challenge or situation. A mental U-turn. A new mind. A mental U-turn about disobedience. We, we tend to think <laughs> that, okay, well, there's all these commandments in here, and, you know, uh, if I do all those thou shalt nots, then I'm not going to have much fun. And in fact, if I do the things God tells me to do, like love your enemies, like forgive whatever, whatever anybody does against you, if I do those things, man, my life's going to be miserable. <laughs> you see, that's thinking like the world. That's thinking like Satan himself. We need a new mind that realizes that disobeying God Okay, it might bring some short-term pleasure. But it will definitely bring some long-term problems. The battles we have, they begin in our mind, not in our behavior. They begin in our mind. The way we think determines the way we feel. The way we feel determines the way we act. So, let God renew our mind. Let him, let's let him give us a new mind, the mind of Christ. And that's what Romans 12, 2 says, that God actually, he can transform your mind, okay? He's not going to give you a, a brain transplant, but he's going to give you a mind transformation. That word actually is the word metamorphosis, right? Now you studied metamorphosis, right? When I was uh, uh, about nine years old, I, I found a caterpillar once. I had learned in science, you know, that the, they'll build a cocoon and out will come a butterfly. I took that caterpillar, went home, got a big jar, put a stick on it. Sure enough, that, that uh, caterpillar became a butterfly. Metamorphosis. What an amazing thing. That caterpillar was metamorphed. I just made up a new word, okay? That caterpillar was metamorphed by God into a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. Friend, God doesn't want us to be caterpillars. Because what do caterpillars do? They, they, they crawl around in the dirt. And God wants to metamorph you into a beautiful butterfly that flies free. 
that, that pollinates, that makes beautiful flowers. Don't live a caterpillar life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, it's not going to just happen. Growth equals what? Change. You see, God involves us in the process. He's sovereign, but he invites us to join him. There are things that we need to do to renew our mind. Like what? Like thinking about Jesus. Why? Because what you think about the most becomes your God. If I asked your family or your friends, what do you talk, what is the he, what is she? If I asked them, what do you talk about the most, what would they say? Would they say your job? Would they say sports? Would they say money? What would they say? Would any of them say Jesus? You see, if we want a, a new mind that thinks right, we have to think about what is right. If, if we want a mind that thinks great thoughts, we need to think about what is great or who is great. And friend, that's Jesus. And see, that's what the Bible tells us in several places. Let me just read you some verses. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. What are we supposed to think about? Since then you've been raised with Christ. He died and he was raised to life and he wants to, he raises his followers to life. Since that's happened, set your mind on what? Things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Next time you're struggling with a sin, the next time you're discouraged, think about Jesus Christ right at the right hand of God, preparing a place for you and coming back for you again one day. Hebrews 12, 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you have problems, think about all the hostility that Jesus endured because of sinful people. And then you won't become weary and you won't give up. Thinking about Jesus' example, he held on while wicked people were doing evil things. So don't get tired. Don't stop trying. When we remember all the pain that Jesus suffered for us, you know what? All our problems are going to be a lot smaller than what he went through for us. And those problems would mean nothing compared to the joy of being with Jesus forever in heaven. Another verse, verse Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude, the word is mind. Think about him. Think about the mind of Jesus Christ. God wants us to learn to think like Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we've got to fill our mind with his word. This is God's love letter to us. You know, if you've ever been in a situation where you were separated from someone that you really loved, well, many years ago you wrote letters, well, now you write emails, you send texts, all right? You really love someone? Oh, you're, you're, you're going to keep contact with them. You're going to communicate. You're going to listen. You're going to talk. Friend, God, God loves you. And this is his love letter to you. 
If we want to think his thoughts and do his will, the best way is to fill our mind with what he says to us. Think about Jesus. Second thing, think of, if, if you want to renew your mind, that new mind of Jesus Christ, think about others. Philippians 2, 4 says, don't just think about your own affairs, your own problem, your own situation. Be interested in others. Care about what they're doing or going through. And, and friend, again, this, the world that we live in, it tries to squeeze us into its own. The world is teaching us now, to, hey, you've got to watch out for number one. Hey, you've got to take care of yourself. Hey, you have rights. The world is teaching us to think about ourselves, not others. Jesus thought about others. Aren't you glad? He went to the cross because he was thinking about you and me. Think about others. Third, think about eternity. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has been able to imagine what God has prepared for us, for those who love him. Do you ever think about eternity? I, I've discovered that people certainly who are not uh, Christ followers don't like to think about death at all. Uh, I do, I've done a lot of funerals. I, it's almost that I could walk, if I didn't know the family at all, if I didn't know the deceased at all, it's almost gotten to the point where if I could walk into the room where there's, there's a funeral for unbelievers, I would know it right away. And it would be totally different from a funeral for those who are Christ followers. There's a difference. See, we, we have an assurance. We have a Savior who rose again. We have a Savior who promised to come back for us. Do you think about eternity and what it'll be like? You know, you really ought to think a lot more about eternity. You know why? You're going to spend a long time there. Forever. If we're going to spend a long time there, forever, maybe we should prepare for it. Maybe we should be ready. Our mind. God wants to give us a new mind. <laughs> the mind of Jesus Christ. The mind that thinks like him, that has his priorities, that has his values. Our mind may be our greatest possession. You know, I, I don't think it's our body. I think it's our mind. I was talking with someone the other day, and they were referring to an elderly person who goes to visit his spouse in a, a skilled nursing facility. And, and this spouse has serious dementia. And they don't, whenever this spouse walks in the room, they say, who are you? They, what we say, lost they're mine. And that's got to be so sad. Our mind is our greatest possession. It can also be our greatest problem. Wrong thoughts will produce wrong actions, which produce terrible consequences. What we think is going to make our life wonderful or awful. It's going to make our life pleasing to God 
or displeasing to God. We need to ask God to fill our mind with His truth, with His Word, with His Son, with His plan for our eternity. And the third thing that uh, this passage, this verse tells us is to think God thoughts so you experience great things. Yeah, that's what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, if you will let God transform your mind, renew your mind, and transform it, there's the word then. This is going to be the result. Then, verse 12 tells us, or verse 2 tells us, you will learn to know God's will for you. And His will for you is good. It's pleasing. You're going to be, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to be thrilled by it. And it's perfect. That's the will of God for you. When we let God give us a new mind, the mind of Christ, then God can do great things in us and, and for us and through us. And that's what our life is all about. Don't let the world around you squeeze you to its mold. Don't conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you then will experience the will of God for you, His good will, His pleasing will, His perfect will for you because of a new mind. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much. We live in a world that... Uh, has many problems. It's sin cursed. There's disease. There's death. There's war. There's conflict. There's hostility. There's pain. There's sorrow. This is not heaven. This is not your kingdom. Your kingdom is to come, dear Father, living with you forever and ever. But Father, we don't have to wait. Your plan for us now is for our mind to be transformed so that we think your thoughts, so that we do your will, so that we experience, God, what you have for us. And so, God, would you help us? Would you help us so that we do not let the world around us squeeze us into its mold as it defies and disobeys you? Thank you, dear Father, that you want to make all things new in our lives. And you want to give us a new attitude, a new spirit, a new ability to, uh, to, to face the problems we have with joy and thanksgiving because you're going to work them all out for good to those who love God. Give us, dear Father, a new mind, the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name. We close our service today with communion. At that Last Supper, where communion was instituted, the disciples, uh, all of them, had the wrong mind. They had the wrong attitude. They had the wrong outlook. And so that's why Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. This, that's why Jesus took the cup and said, I am going to shed my blood for you. Because, see, that changes things. That changes everything. And that should change our outlook and our perspective and give us a new mind, the mind of Jesus Christ. We invite you to partake today. You don't have to be a member of Sarasota Alliance Church. Or are you a follower of Jesus Christ?
asked him to be your Savior? If not, do it right now. If you, if you invite him in to be Lord of your life, if not, do it now because that's what you were created for and that's what eternity is all about. The communion stewards, they'll distribute the elements and the bread is in the middle and so please take both of them as it's passed and help each other uh, in doing so. And then please wait till all of us have been served and then we'll eat together.